Welcome to Lights in the Sky podcast episode 112, casual chat about uncasual things. I'm Luke. And, uh, um, Tony, that's you're, it. You're drunk. That's you're, it. You've it's been drinking. These zero beers. <laughs> no, you're on zero beers because... I've had two real beers. Because you've had too many beers. Yeah, and I have to drive. <laughs> and sort of two is the maximum I think I feel safe doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, you came into a... A big surprise so yeah my my pre-show drinking nearly uh nearly threw a spanner in the works didn't it <laughs> yeah, a little bit <laughs> yeah um for a big surprise for those of you playing at home um i we're moments past me revealing for myself but some uh some what do you call this an accoutrement oh yes for the studio that i'm slowly i want this to be the best studio that a small amount of money can buy. <laughs> um, so adding to the studio this week, the new addition was um, a beer fridge. A beer fridge, but not just any beer fridge. Not just any beer fridge. This is one of those, uh, it's like got a glass door. It's a black fridge with a glass door. Um, nice LED light inside. Optional LED lighting. <laughs> Optional LED yeah, lighting. Yeah. Turn it off, you can turn it on. You can turn it back off again. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Three options for you. Yeah, off and on and off. Wait, that's not right. On and off and off. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Um, but lovingly adorned with... Um, I mean, there, there is no other fridge in the world like this fridge. It's pristine. Right now. It's gorgeous. I mean, there's other fridges the same, but they don't have the elusive moose crest on the door. You you showed me a night shot of just the LED illuminating <laughs> the beverages inside, and yeah. I'm glad I was sitting down. Do I need to? What do I need to fire up our Instagram again? Yeah, put that up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's our Instagram? Let's underscore pod at podcast dot com. <laughs> That's not how Instagram works. Yeah. At L-O-T-S underscore podcast, but don't bother visiting because nothing will happen. Let's see what's on. I there? don't think I'll put the photo up because I just never do. Um, but yeah. Why is why don't we post more on Instagram? Should I be the show social media guy? You can be the, yeah if you like. I can do that. If you want to, we can. Yeah. I, I can, just thought I can do that. I thought we were over it. Um but no, we can do that. If you want. Okay. okay you can okay. be the Sosh Med guy. Okay, we'll see. What's our what's our last post on the gram? Be a while ago now. I used to put up a part twenty third of December twenty nineteen. There you go. That's almost That's a, not it's oh, not too bad. Not too bad, yeah. I stopped for Christmas by the looks of it and then never came back. <laughs> <laughs> it's an earlier version It was of the studio with DVDs uh, and mic stands on the old wooden table before oh, yeah. we... Um, yeah. Oh yeah, so it was in here. Yeah. That's when I first got my new TV. You can see the old box. Anyway, this is not This is a visual thing. So Ton's going to be in charge of Instagram. Social media, yeah. yeah, social media manager. Yeah. Um, so, um, can I get a business card? As as social media manager, I feel like that's your remit. Cool. You All can right. you can get one if you organise one. I'll organise it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it but the worrying thing is that um, that shouldn't be the thing you're most excited about when you become social media manager. <laughs> the cards. The cards. Yeah. So uh, I um, 
really must say it was a wonderful surprise and it did take my breath away when I saw that fridge. I heard a gasp. I saw, they think just the immaculate black, mm-hmm. the glowing LEDs, <laughs> yeah, the, the gentle uh, chiming of the beers as they sway side to side yeah, if, as you open the door. It's if, just... If there's a buzz in the audio, apologies, that's our new beer fridge. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to put up with it because it's so good. Yeah, trust it's me, so it looks really good. good. If you could see it, and you will on Instagram soon, yeah. by the sounds of it. Yeah, the social media manager position that's just been filled. <laughs> yeah. um, then you'll understand why we choose to record. I don't care if like interference cuts in, we lose every second word. We're keeping the fridge. And the thing is, um, it's actually close enough that without standing up, I'm getting oh, a beer. Did you hear that noise? The gentle jingle as the stubbies kiss one another gently under the LED light. Love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so beers. So this, this surprise has been coming for a wee bit. Yeah. You told me it wasn't something I could take home, which is why would I want to it, but it's perfect here. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Not something you could take home. It's not something just for me. It's for us. For us. Although that doesn't mean when we inevitably get a pod divorce, you get you don't get half. Um, I will be keeping it. I always get the door. <laughs> nope. You're going to have the spare sticker. <laughs> I'll take the door off and um, use it as a window maybe into... I mean, good, like, it's about the size of the window in my downstairs bathroom, so I could replace it. Okay. I mean, it will be clear. You can see right in but <laughs> from the drive, but such a good fridge. Um, we should probably move on to less visual um, agenda items. Yeah. 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 But if you hear that, if you hear that door, the jingle... Oh, that's just someone getting a new beverage. <sighs> so good. Oh, you'll hear my keys too. It's got my bottle open. Oh, you just need that too, yeah. I'm, I say that <laughs> because a lot I'm, of jingling. I'm moments away from um, grabbing a fresh beer. Having an energy drink at um, the moment? Yep. Yeah. 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 Good. Yep. Good. Good. Is that all right? Uh, it, we, it used to be a bit of a staple of ours for our day records, the energy drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Beers were always the afternoon slash evening records. But. I went to bed at 12 and got up at 5.50. Why so late? Um, I was playing Call of Duty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew I didn't have to work today. Oh, yeah, but why not? I, the problem is with a one-year-old, it doesn't matter. You don't sleep in. You just get up with the kid. <laughs> no, matter what, no matter what time I you stay I, up till, the, the morning get-up is always between 10 to 6 and about oh, 10 to 7. Oh, I couldn't do that. No, you get used to it. Well, to, to be honest, I don't mind it. To be honest, I, I, I'm doing this whole early, early sleep... Uh, Early riser? Not, yeah. <laughs> not for the breakfast deal. <laughs> we should explain that. So I mentioned there's an elusive moose sticker on the fridge. Yeah. For those of you that are late to the party, um, anyone jumping on late, um, we deal with paranormal stories. Uh, one of the... Now that I'm thinking back, <clears throat> there's nothing really paranormal about it. One of the stories we covered was that back in like the 1800s, a ship uh, landed in New Zealand and some moose got loose. And so, um, in Fiordland, which is like this big wilderness area, yeah. So, uh, the paranormal tale yeah. is that there may still be some of these moose. It was around. an article that appeared in like, um, one like the New Zealand news sites, and it was so beautifully put together that um, we had to share it. And during the course of this, not pre planned at all, um, we just came up with a ooh, good thunder closing there. We just came up with a, um, a bar. 
bar well, the, and restaurant. But. Well, the the often the um, titles of articles about it talk about an elusive moose. Yeah, um, and obviously someone's recognised the assonance and gone with it. Uh, we thought that sounded like a good name for a, a bar and bar, bistro. A bar and bistro. <laughs> yeah. So the elusive moose was born, mm. and um, you even designed a, a logo. No, yeah. normally you'd leave that to the social media manager, but. Um, <laughs> Position was vacant. At, position was vacant at the time. <laughs> but he doesn't know how. I can, I can I can copy and paste something. Put it into paint. <laughs> hey, it happens. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, the fridge is adorned with an elusive moose logo on it. Did we ever put one of them on Instagram? You should know this by now. Oh yes, Being we did. Actually, media no, manager. we did. We put the stubby holder on Instagram. Did we? Yeah, we did. Not the stubby holder. Did we? Yeah. There you go. Right oh, there. I did. Trust the social media manager. <laughs> Uh, and also for, this one here. Those overseas. Oh, yeah. We obviously were really oh, taken man. by it. We got, I, I certainly was. Oh, okay, there we go again. Three. <laughs> got three posts. The elusive moose and a fridge door. Yeah, and a fridge door. Wow. Um, yeah. Coming up number four. Uh, and then we heard there was a similar story about a panther uh, in Canterbury, and so that uh, turned into what was it? That was a breakfast restaurant it was or a breakfast like that. oh no yeah it was specializing breakfast the early riser was yeah. a specialist because this uh, panther got loose and um there was speculation that it was um pregnant at the time so that's how we got now that the there are now that there are big uh big cat sightings occasionally people think that maybe this panther incest, bred. Incest panthers. Yeah. yeah and we called that one the pregnant paws yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and that's where the early riser um meal comes in right yes i can't remember what it was but go back go back and listen to the early riser it was it's a wonderful details. it had to take away coffee i believe <laughs> it's nice and early move on move on this is almost 10 minutes yeah, of recapping but, yeah for people who don't listen <laughs> even though i think people listen it's funny that um we're, we're talking about a couple of new zealand mysteries because that's exactly what we have now in studio segway yes what a beautiful segue. segue. As soon as you mentioned the elusive moose and you know, next to the shitty New Zealand mystery, I was like, oh, well, i got a shitty New Zealand mystery for you. <laughs> Here we go. The first um, the first New Zealand mystery is, were the Chinese the first people to come to New Zealand? Not on a tour group or a package tour or anything like that. Hmm. Uh, on, a, on a ship. I read that one while I was at the blood bank donating plasma. Hate clinic. <laughs> yeah. And we're actually going to cover a New Zealand mystery uh, for you today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a great story. <laughs> Come on, don't. We're, we're ten minutes in, and you're saying don't stick around. Okay, stick around for this sort of shit. Well, but so far, like the New Zealand mysteries we've covered are this moose thing, which isn't really a mystery. No, I mean a moose the isn't a paranormal thing, which doesn't thing. make any sense. It's an incest panther. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, elusive moose, incest panther, and um, a Chinese tour group that came to New Zealand. Literally, that was the first story, and I was like, this better be starting slow because it's. Someone found some Chinese Well, the, well the, first, the first story is in the Ford. Did you read that? No. I always skip the Ford. The Ford is worth reading. Really? It is the worst, crappiest Ford I've ever read. <laughs> it talks about how the guy who wrote the book... Hang on, just before we jump in. So this is the book New Zealand Mysteries by Scott Bainbridge. A Scott couple of Bainbridge. weeks ago we discovered it, um, coincidentally, while Googling things. And, uh, yeah... We it piqued our interest because we're New Zealanders and we like mysteries. And this was a recent, re, recently released book. I believe the cheapest deal was on Fish Pond. If yes. anyone wants it, about twenty eight bucks. So go on forward. So yes, yeah, so the forward talks about um, 
how Scott Bainbridge, the author, was working as a uh, investigative journalist. I think he's a crime writer normally. Yeah. Crime yeah. reporter. True crime type. And guy. Um, there was a house in Auckland mm-hmm. where they didn't know who lived there. That's and he tried to investigate who lived there and he didn't find out. Um, <laughs> That's the Ford. Just wait by the mailbox and see. <laughs> That's it. That's the Ford. And see what the letters say. So he, he didn't know who lived there. He staked the place out, couldn't find who lived there. Then years later, went back and asked and knocked on the door this time. We should have tried. Well, he didn't try that the first time. time He just went home and thought for 20 years. All your eggs in one basket, you know? (laughs) All your sleuthing techniques that went out at once. Got a few cards up your sleeve. Right. And um, so, second time around, he knocked on the door and he said, How long have you lived here? And they said, Not that long. The last owner had been away for a while. The house kind of smelled musty when we moved in, so they kind of lived here recently. And Scott said, Do you know who they are? And then I said, no, I don't. And that, that's the end of it. And they shut the door and he went and stewed for so, another 20 so it years. So kind of sets up a pretty poor tone for the book so far. <laughs> like, I haven't finished it. Um, but we've got an average story for you. Um, Whoa, stop. you got to talk it up. I mean, above... You, go, you won't believe, you won't where, believe where, where this goes. This average story we've got for you. Mm-hmm. But actually, we do get to introduce you to a, a bit of a character who's not in the book, but um, is related to the case. There we go. And, now we're talking. Um, this sounds he's, juicy. He's an entertaining looking fellow. Looking. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a spoof at first. I Is thought this can't be true. Dressed as a clown? Yeah. Entertaining he looks, looking? He definitely looks clowny. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, well, that's coming up, up mm-hmm. on the show. Yep. That's good. We've got it coming up. That's quite exciting. <laughs> that dog shut up. It's called a hook, I think. Dogs, traffic. That's yeah. what you get in rural New Zealand. Um, you had another agenda item you mentioned. I had two things. We had two things, yeah. Which um, is good, because I've got to admit, I blew it all on the fridge. <laughs> that was all I brought to the party today. <laughs> it looked like you'd blown your wad on that fridge. It was <laughs> And a bottle opener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so two things. So first of all, um, as you may remember from the previous episode, uh, my cleaner is missing. My cleaner has gone AWOL. Mm-hmm. Now, this isn't uh, my Japanese cleaner. Again, if you were following the show, you would know that there's been a... Okay, uh, it's been about f- 15 minutes of recording now, and I reckon 13 of them have been callbacks. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. That's how you recycle content. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a clip show. Okay. It's like when, uh, yeah, like when friends did one of those clip shows. Ooh. And it's like, oh, this is just I hate little... a clip show. I always thought it'd be, if you were in the audience for the clip show, when they did like... Because <laughs> the clip show always had like about two minutes of new content as yeah, yeah. introducing stuff. Where they just say, remember that time you such and such. Like imagine if you'd lined up for hours, you've been waiting to go into the audience and it's like, right, um, it's a clip show. You've flown 14 hours to get to LA. Yeah. Signed up. Right, right. Today, I'm in the audience and... Clip show. I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> so my cleaner is AWOL. Okay. Still. Still. What? We did have a little bit of contact. Okay. So, um, hadn't seen her for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, last week, when there was a, uh, it been, or been a, the week after the show, so the, the week, week in between, it had been two weeks since we last recorded. Yeah. Um, we had an off week last week. Got a message from a no- different number. A massage. And it said, sorry, my phone was broken. I couldn't message you. Were their arms broken? I know. It's a, <laughs> This is the only could they, phone. Could they not existed. still turn up and clean without a phone? So it's like, okay, that's fine. Do you want to come? And then the message came back, I can't this week. So that no, was last I week. I can't. My phone's broken. Yeah. 
So then this week, messaged again on Wednesday. She was coming for the Thursday. Mm-hmm. Are you coming this week? No response. Didn't turn up. Nothing. <laughs> oh my God. So I think uh, we're going to conclude this segment this week and say that I'm um, now looking for a new cleaner. Because <laughs> I don't think she's coming back. The thing, the, the good development, though, is that you're not looking for a body. Mm. <laughs> but I'm thinking that potentially that could have been somebody just messaging on her phone just to throw us off the scent. Wow, who knows? Yeah. They've got your deets now, and they know what days you're out. <laughs> <laughs> so there was, there was that. Okay. Um, the second... I'm glad in a way... It means they're mostly okay. I'm glad I can just move on to find a new cleaner. Yeah, because I'm sick of cleaning clean my own house. You're out of limbo now. Yeah, I did it like last Friday night. It was miserable. <laughs> um, you don't get to complain about cleaning a house to me. Sorry, <laughs> I got a one year old. <laughs> the The next part is, I was supposed to go to Auckland today this morning. Uh oh. So been in a sort oh of that's right yeah all day meeting um, mm-hmm. today through. Microsoft Teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was originally supposed to be an in-person meeting um, for a new project that we kicked off at work, but um, it relegated to Teams because Auckland, the largest metropolis in our island nation, is had a COVID resurgence. Is this dating the podcast? The, the, we, these will be Don't go down that road. This is another callback around dating the podcast. And <laughs> as a result, uh, my trip will be cancelled. Okay. So that's fine. We did it. We, everyone in Auckland's working from home. We're okay down here at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, looking like they've tracked down the source. Hopefully we're all good. Yep. Um, what um, was interesting is I looked actually looked at my, uh, my, my booking that I was supposed to go to Auckland. I was like, oh, I should probably cancel that because mm-hmm. um, I hadn't. And I glanced at my booking reference number and it sort of took me back. I was like, what? What? Mm-hmm. So the booking reference numbers um, are generated automatically. Yeah. Um, like randomly almost yeah, yeah yeah that's right and they're always six characters they can be a combination of letters and numbers and they always end in h for our particular national carrier yeah and when i looked at it i was like holy crap. 10 and is this thing supposed to be like is this like telling me a message they shouldn't be flying today do you see what i see there? whoa yes <laughs> jeepers i wouldn't be getting on that plane no. <laughs> so you, you can it's a, it's a weird one because it kind of doesn't sound like it would look like this. No, if you know what I mean? Exactly. It's you got to see it. This can go on Instagram too. You check that on this Instagram. This is perfect for yeah. Instagram. So, uh, <laughs> so it's in ca- it's all in capitals. Yeah. D E two A seven H. So the two you kind of gloss gloss over, I guess. Yeah. But it's the, the D E like, A um, stands out. The seven. Looks like a T, yeah, and of course everything ends in H for these booking references. I would not be getting on that it's plane. Like, Jesus Christ! It looks like it spells death. It looks like it spells death. Yeah, and that's not what you want a flight number to look like, a flight <laughs> booking to look like. Oh my goodness! That, there that's, was that's actually it's creeped me out. A yeah, bit. there was a, there was a famous one um, a few years ago that would made the media uh, in in New Zealand, and it was the person's one. This was, will give you an idea of how busy the media yeah. is. It was like B I T T C H was the one that <laughs> came out. It didn't make the news. It did. <laughs> it did. The person took it to the news and they were complaining about this offensive booking reference. Oh my number gosh. That was automatically generated. And that's then, how you that's how you know we, we live in a real nice part of the world when that's all we've got to worry about. <laughs> is that your re- reference number looks doesn't even say bitch. It looks a little bit like bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and that's on the, that's in the paper. Yeah, I'll take that any day, any day of the week. 
So yeah, that was sort of my like, paranormal moment this this week. <laughs> yeah. I, thought, I was like, wow, I'm glad I didn't take that flight. Yeah. Interesting. And at the same time that Auckland's going through a resurgence of a deadly virus. Mm-hmm. Um, good to stay home. Yeah. Good to stay grounded. Agree. Happy with that. Agree. Um, I don't want to go down a COVID hole, but the only tag on to that is... Um, I definitely don't want to go down a Trump hole either. But that man is comparing New Zealand's cases to America's and telling the world that New Zealand's second wave is massive and out of control. Mm. On a day that they had something like 45,000 new cases. Yeah. Um, so we had um, 11, we had, 11 today, yeah, two right. of which are in managed isolation, <laughs> and the other nine are related to this one cluster, Yeah, and they're all in isolation. Yeah. Um, we'll be okay i think i think we'll be okay <laughs> i think we'll be okay i think it's just the thing is maybe worry about your own backyard before you start dishing some shit yeah it's just his typical reaction um he's been showing some shade about how other countries have done better and mm. now it's clinging to the fact that i can now show them up mm. even though it couldn't no you can't there's no comparison but no uh, even per capita um if you if you did a per capita we would have something like you know 11,000 new cases compared to the 130 the other day or something like that. Yeah. So it's just, I don't even care. We'll move on. I don't want to go on a COVID hole. No, and I think the, the, the point here to make is that this hasn't been done like, um, it's not like a miracle this has happened. It's just that when it first came out, we were all sent into a really strict lockdown and couldn't go anywhere for like six weeks. And yeah. I know other countries have done lockdowns, but uh, this was, I guess, enforced nationwide and um, everything closed apart from like supermarkets pharmacies like essential doctors places. that's about it it's yep. all we could go to mm. so we spent pretty much six weeks at home yep not going outside a small radius of your house no one argued over whether a mask worked or not yep. everyone just um uh listens to the government yeah yeah so it wasn't pleasant and it, and it was terrible for the economy and like still our borders are closed right mm. and we're a country that depends on tourism yeah. um but um yeah it's just keep it out and up until this last um issue with this resurgence it was sort of back to normal yeah it was 106 of. days without a single case yeah so it was sort of quite much uh, sort of quite back to normal and yep. um what i think what happens we may have a few of these bumps along the road but you know we had they had to go into lockdown because it, the, the source of, of where this came from wasn't entirely mm. clear there's a there's a fair chance it came in from cargo from america yeah on frozen cargo yeah yep. So, because so the first the first place is a cold market. store, a place called Americold. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, thank you very much. So, yes. All right. Should we um, move along then swiftly? So, have you read much of the New Zealand Mysteries book? Um, so, as I said, I started reading it while you didn't read the forward plasma. though. I didn't read the forward, you but apparently, s- I didn't miss much. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've read three or four chapters, I think. Um, and then I skipped through to the one that you were clearly up to um, that we're covering tonight yeah. or today or this morning, depending on what time you're listening. Got a bit of a treat in store for the folks listening, though. Over the next, few, over the next few weeks, we'll be uh, doing a few of these Are out we? of this book, As, um, picking a few mysteries. There's a few, actually, there's a couple of good ufo ones in here, too. Oh, yeah, I haven't got to them yet. Aye. The, uh, yeah, I won't spoil it. Yeah, yeah. There's a <laughs> like crop circle one. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is this you teasing? A little bit of a tease. Okay. Well, yeah. then you need to make sure you actually do follow up. We'll come back to this. Is uh, and maybe is we both... might even do. Should we maybe do a bonus episode where I read the Ford? What do you mean bonus? 
A bonus episode where I read the forward to this do, book. What's bonus about it? It's extra content. It's just content. Yeah, like, but, all of this is extra content. Yeah, but no normally, one's paid anything for this. Yeah, but normally, normally, right, we wouldn't read a forward. I seem to recall when we found this book, you were in charge of getting the author on this podcast. Yeah, it's podcast. happening. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, it's not I'm happening. I've just been going through the application process to be social media manager for the show. <laughs> like, just give me a break. I assumed you were both social media manager and content coordinator. And this airline was trying to kill me. <laughs> I had a traumatic <laughs> week. I'm a cleaner. To save I've been you. cleaning my own house. I haven't had time. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> okay. Um, shall we launch in? What's tonight's... Um, Episode, episode gold. <laughs> I just, yep. 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 <laughs> I was just What's tonight's episode about? This episode is about New Zealand's very own Bigfoot or Sassafras, which is again a throwback. Wow, we've got a whole lot of throwbacks in this. <laughs> yeah, this, this is just this is throwback. throwback city. Um, while you throw back that beer, um, hey, I like that. That's good. Uh, so this is uh, something we have mentioned in the past. So um, I knew we'd mentioned it because I know the name. And that's kind of all I know, is I know I've heard of it. And I know I wouldn't have heard it anywhere else. And I think what it is, is uh, one of the articles you sent me today, I actually pulled up to potentially bring to the show. Um, but I never brought it. So uh, I'm just going to claim that one. Okay, that's good. Good of you. Just going to get in there early. So... Um, the following content is thanks to me. The <laughs> <laughs> so the mohal mohal I knew you would do this. I knew you would do this. What, what are we going with? Mohal 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 m o e h a u yes mohal mohal mohal. Stop looking at me like I'm saying it wrong. I'm not saying it wrong, am I? I don't know. <laughs> Mohau. I haven't heard them say it yet. I knew, yeah, haven't was, asked of its name. This is why I knew this this chat would start off with exactly this conversation, is how do you pronounce Mohau? What I'm saying is, we're going with Mohau. We'll correct you if we hear otherwise in future episodes. Okay. So the um, this, this legend is based in the Coromandel Peninsula of the North Island of New Zealand. Yep, up so, near COVID country. Yes, a rugged uh, area of 65,000 hectares of native native forests on steep, rugged, mountainous, mountainous terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got the book here in front of me. And I was thinking, I was, what I was going to do was go through and highlight a couple of cool things to say, and I never did okay. it, so I haven't got around to it. Would so, you use highlighter in that book? I'm going to. Are you? I'm going to mark it up. Oh, oh see, there's up. a there's a fine line, right, with it, because you own that book. This is a research guide. Yeah, totally, right? So... If you had a couple of highlights, I think it would detract. But if you had scribbles all through that thing, like oh, like like notes to yourself, where it's like I've got to go and question this thing, yeah, or like possible lead question. Mark. That's what I was thinking of doing. Yeah, then <laughs> that would just look badass. <laughs> I'm gonna look at all those little uh, notes that stick up the top of it. Yeah, totally. Just, oh, just don't use the ones that you steal from a stationery cupboard that say <laughs> "sign here" because you don't yeah. need to necessarily <laughs> sign. Okay, hit it. So the mountains of the Coromandel have for many years been popular amongst hikers, campers, and hunters. In February of 1952, a Dr. Roy Norman and a uh, doctor, not Doug, doctor, and Douglas Tifana. See, I knew this. the pronunciation's going to be a theme Tifana? right through this. <laughs> I should be better at this. <laughs> well, Douglas, Douglas T. Oh, that's terrible. Oh. You just, you just sound so white right Douglas, now. Douglas uh, Taifa'ana. <laughs> Douglas Taifa'ana. Shall we go with that? 
and Douglas Taifahana returned from a weekend pig hunting on the Coromandel with one hell of a story to tell. Both men reported catching a glimpse of a large, hairy man, or perhaps a gorilla, running fast along a bush track. Did one of them mistake it for a warlock and say, gotta catch a glimpse of this warlock? Could have been. <laughs> I'll see if it comes up. Okay. <laughs> uh, as they were respectable characters, the sightings were taken very seriously. Okay. These sightings were quickly backed up by claims from local hunters who until now... I'm not sure if it's now as in now as in this book or now until 1950. Today? Yeah, until today. Don't date the podcast. ...had been nervous about coming forward to tell their stories of hearing loud, strange calls in the middle of the night of finding campsites disturbed and spotting exceptionally large footprints out in the bush. One hunter reported finding a cave that contained collections of shells. That's pretty. Hmm. Making like necklaces and power. arts and crafts. What do they call power overseas? Uh, abalone. Abalone, yeah. yeah. Do, uh, do, the, do overseas abalones have the colourful shells like ours? I don't know. You don't really see it, do you? Yeah, no, I, see, I don't see those sort of tacky ashtrays anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to use them as ashtrays now. It's culturally yeah. insensitive. It's really bad. Um, I'll look it up while you do that. Uh, so this one hunter reported finding a cave containing uh, abalone ashtrays and the bones of animals, which appeared to have been eaten raw. Mm. Okay. So, for many people, it was the first time that they heard, heard such of a creature, but it turned out the reports of a beast on the loose in the Coromandel were not new, so tales go back to the 1870s when prospectors were looking for gold. Several miners had been frightened out of their wits by large, long-haired man-beast. <laughs> you rang? <laughs> Stalking them through the bush in the back blocks of Waihee. Some even told of seeing a creature carrying primitive tools, although it was not clear whether there were more than one creature sighted. It was first it was believed that the Moha man was devised by prospectors to deter others from venturing and staking their own claims, which made sense. There were also tales of ghastly encounters with the beast in 1882. A prospector at the Martha mine had been found partially devoured with his head ripped off. Several months later, further up the foothills behind the mine, a woman was dragged from her shack. When her body was found, her neck had been snapped. Oof. So it's, um, this is a little bit more violent, this beast, than maybe the Bigfoot and the uh, Sasa... <laughs> I stopped saying Sassafras. <laughs> Sasquatch. It's not, a, it's not a Sasquatch, right? <laughs> no. Sassafras is like drug, <laughs> drugs, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so this thing's got a temper, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you found on Abalone? Uh, so um, the colourful inside the shells, like we're yeah, used to, um, where we call it power. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on the species, but it's not unique to New Zealand. New Zealand and Australia, apparently, um, uh, abalone pearl jewellery is very popular, um, but it's not unique. It's just for some reason, Australasia has uh, latched onto it. Okay, and like abalone on a rock. Nice, latched onto it, and um, that's beautiful. Thank you. Like a like the like a abalone ashtray shell. No, that's rude. Sorry, I keep getting confused. What's allowed <laughs> and what's not. You're not allowed to use abalone ashtrays. <laughs> Um, Mohau men were regularly seen by the Coromandel Maori who ventured into the bush. They told of encountering groups of what they described as terrible half-men, half-animal, half-abalone shell <laughs> creatures. Ooh, like a ninja turtle. Yeah. It's got a uh, big iridescent shell on the oh. back. <laughs> <laughs> he stubbed out a dory. <laughs> on his back. <laughs> on his back. 
Um, Come on. The creatures would stand their ground <laughs> defiantly, but not approach them. They would growl and throw rocks at them. Maori hunters knew not to engage with them and would hastily retreat. Towards the end of the 19th century, there were fewer sightings and there were no longer any group encounters. Numbers seemed to dwindle down to one or two. Mm. Oh, poor things. Uh, there were no reported sightings in the early part of the 20th century, and as a result, the Mohau Man was relegated to myth. So we have another sighting in 1936. Yep. Um, and this was documented in a local paper there was another sighting then in 1952 which we um, spoke about um, another theory for the 1952 sighting is it prompted some scant recollection of a gorilla having escaped off a ship that had been moored off Waiaro <laughs> See, there's a in the northern here, part right? of the Coromandel Peninsula in 1924 so like this quite feasibly isn't paranormal either <laughs> Like it could be a gorilla. This is, the New Zealand mysteries are like a cat escaped and now we can't find it, but we keep kind of seeing cats. Yeah. A moose escaped and now we can't find it and now we keep kind of seeing moose. A gorilla escaped and now we can't find it and now we keep kind of seeing gorillas. <laughs> Quite feasibly, these are just missing animals. This it is, isn't yeah. paranormal <laughs> at all. Like that's the best we can do. Yeah. <laughs> like a missing cat, a missing dog, a missing gorilla, a missing panther. Yeah. Uh, Auckland Zoo officials doubted this theory of a missing gorilla, saying there would be more obvious signs of the existence of wild gorillas in the area, and that all members of the ape family lived in nests built in trees, but not in caves. Um, if an ape or monkey were to exist somewhere like the Coromandel, the most likely candidate would be a baboon. <laughs> I think because they're most likely to live in a cave? Despite this advice from the experts, uh, believers refused to be swayed, and the fear of the Mohau man became very real. I can't picture what a nest looks like for something that big. You know what I mean? I was thinking, um, like a wee, like a big wicker basket. Yeah, yeah like, a, like if you got one of those clamshell paddling pools and put it in a tree, but made out of straw or yeah, something. Yeah, this is good. But like, how do you get that to stay up there? I guess you don't need opposable thumbs for that. It seems a little. Seems like you let the rain in on that thing. Mm. I assume they know what they're doing. In another. No, that's not right. In October, not another. In, October, in another month. In October 1969, <laughs> there was another sighting. That's your favourite year. While Vera Marshall from Australia was holidaying in the Coromandel, she went for a walk in the bush. Mm. There were claims that she had come almost face to face with what she thought was a gorilla. She described a creature seven feet tall, covered in white hair and with large pink vacant eyes. Mm. Its body was ape-like with, ape with long dangling arms and a short and short thin legs and it emitted a growl that can be heard for two miles that's a weird how, how are you measuring that yeah how if she's face to face with them how could she tell who carried two miles the the implication here being that um this is this used to be a group of them and then over time they all died off and then the latest sighting was of a gray one so they're thinking maybe it's the same you know the the remaining survivor that's now old um, and then, you know, sightings have slowed since, mm. so maybe just dead. In 1972 came the first piece of tangible evidence that the Mohau man existed. Some pig hunters reported that they had spotted what they described as a two-metre-tall ape-like creature standing on a ridge about 150 metres away from them. The creature saw them and ran away. The men then cautiously made their way across the gully to the exact spot where it had been standing, and they found footprints that they had measured as being slightly over 35 centimetres long. Mm -hmm. Excited by their find, 
they alerted authorities and were able to give precise coordinates to the very spot. The report was met with indifference. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, in 2000, Australian <laughs> Yeti hunter Rex Gilroy travelled across the Tasman to spend time in various places on the Coromandel Peninsula. There he found two human-sized hominid footprints, which measured two human-sized hominid footprints, which measured 46 centimetres long, 29.5 centimetres wide across, and across the toes, and 24 centimetres wide at the heel. Human-sized. Human-sized? That's wrong. No, Humans, it can't be right, right? Because otherwise they'd say, this is a human footprint. Yeah. If it's human-sized footprint... Well, there's, 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 human there's footprint. Rex in this photo, again, doesn't help on this medium, but they're clearly not human-sized. <laughs> no. So that's wrong. Human-shaped? I'm looking at Scott's name on the author on the cover, like I'm disappointed in him. Mm. Like, Scott. You tell human, him that when you get him on the show. Human shape would surely be. They look fake ass, those. <laughs> look how fake ass they look. They look really like um, like if a kid drew a foot. Yeah. Like they're really wide set, no definition in the arch. According to Gilroy, these footprints were embedded in volcanic rock in the Karangahaki Gorge, which is a reasonably close to the area where miners recorded seeing the beast over a century earlier. Happy for you. You're going to have to tell... Mr. Bainbridge, when he's inevitably on the show, that he, there's a typo. So that's the um, the book. So that gives you an idea of the sort of quality of the author and the oh, show. slagging it off. <laughs> hey, um, I have can I just say um, thank you for allowing us to read an excerpt from your book. Um, I strongly encourage everybody listening to go and buy it. It's well worth it's a read. Well worth a read. <laughs> Don't miss the Ford. <laughs> <laughs> Now we've got we've got we've got some more uh, information about the Mohawk Man because yep. um, the book didn't really cover anything too recent, but we have something a bit more recent. You have a deep dive. Yeah, despite the book being just published, there's not really any recent accounts. Come on, in here. stop. We've but just used their content. Okay, I'm going to turn around and be 100 percent positive about this book from now on. Good. I am. I love it. Do you even have it? No. <laughs> I have it from the library. The library. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Bainbridge. <laughs> <laughs> I can get it. I can get it. It's fine. I pay it. rates. That pays the library. Do you want to just, photo, you want to just photocopy all these pages? <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to read this story about? Um... I can read this story if you like. Yeah, I, I feel think... like I feel like it's my turn to chime in, right? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, this this story is about uh, one man's mission to locate New Zealand's very own Sasquatch. Are you that man? Am I that man? No. He he has an interesting look to him. Oh, this is where you slag off another future guest, isn't it? I just... just you are, aren't you? You're I going just to. don't know about whether... I mean, he, he looks like he's trying to be a rugged outdoors adventurer, but he just... He just looks a little bit sad in every photo. What do you mean sad? He just looks like he's upset. Really? Like, yeah. So he we're just, talking this guy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just, this is good. I just can't really see. I mean, there's the two photos on this thing, and he looks. He just looks upset. <laughs> like he's got all this attention to him. He's trying to like fundraise to have a TV show or a movie or a doco or something made. That did break my heart. They they mentioned in the article. Oh, it comes up. You wait till you hear about the fundraising. We should try and see if we can find out what the lads of that is. But you yeah, should. Um, it's yeah. just yeah, okay. just a, a little bit sad. When the time comes, I'll. Um, Hey, don't autoplay this video. I hate when websites do that. I know. Um, so this article is from Stuff by Nicole Lawton um, at 
one eighteen twenty ninth of June twenty nineteen. So just over a year ago, don't date the podcast, and um, there's no updates on this at this point. All right, let's hit it. A paranormal investigator claims he is planning a, a mission to find New Zealand's very own Bigfoot. Mark Coppel said he had hoped to capture footage of the Mohau Man, which he claimed was an ape-like creature from Maori legend. Could be baboon-like or gorilla-like. Auckland-based Coppel said his hunt started back in 2015 when <laughs> he had strange experiences <laughs> out in a remote area of Coromandel Bush. <laughs> the photos just come up on the TV screen that we're using in the studio and it's like 55 inches of Mark Coppel's sad-looking face. Just sorry ass. Oh, Mark, smile! <laughs> so um, people around the world uh, might have different, experience, uh, different expressions for this, but face like a slapped ass. <laughs> Um, there's also a face like a dropped pie. Um, that's the kind of look we've got going on here. Um, after finding unusual footprints in hard to reach places and hearing <laughs> hard to reach places, it's like a toothbrush ad. <laughs> <laughs> after finding unusual footprints in hard to reach places and hearing heavy bipedal approaches, I had an unnerving feeling of being watched. And that's a direct quote from Mark. So he's been watching toothbrush ads. <laughs> I used my flip-top head to, to, <laughs> to listen harder. Um, uh, and then we've got a, a couple of links in the middle of this page um, just to, to read on. I guess these are related articles. Um, <laughs> it's quite telling. Re, uh, so these are links to other related articles. New Zealand's moose hunt, a century-long quest for a forest's final secret. Elusive moose, baby! Yeah. And then... He asked the FBI to analyze Bigfoot hair 40 years ago and never heard back. And then the third one, Bigfoot caught on camera. <laughs> he started wearing uh, point of view cameras and making casts of footprints he came across. So many cameras do you think he was buttoning onto himself? It can't be more. Uh, maybe two because he needed to keep one charge. Yeah. <laughs> they're not, they're not Did cheap. you watch the video? He's posted video, like it's, there's a link to it in here. Oh, I didn't actually watch it. I, do, I couldn't bring myself to watch it, but maybe I'll so, watch it later. So, yeah, it's, it's like a body cam, so it's, a, you know, it's like, um, you know, like a referee cam where yeah. they have it on their chest, and you just hear him talking to himself about a footprint he found and how he's going to go get his casting gear. Do you see any evidence of Mohel Man in, in the video? Um, well, he that's the thing, he finds a footprint in the video. That's convenient, isn't it? Um, I think it's the one from he's photographed here with a cast of a footprint. I think it might be that one. Um, but the thing is, the clip's like twenty minutes long. <laughs> oh my god! So I didn't watch it all. <laughs> <laughs> this article's too long for me. Yeah, like twenty-minute clip. <laughs> since then, the forty-nine-year-old has been on numerous treks to gather evidence in the Mohau Mountain Ranges. What do ranges. they mean by numerous treks with? inverted commas yeah um they're just quoting him he's saying he's been on numerous so it could be like three yeah (laughs) and it could be short um uh the mohau mountain ranges near the tip of the north island's coromandel peninsula couple said the manimal and that's inverted commas too would be a strong shaggy creature that lived in the bush it was probably ape-like in appearance, but upstanding and much larger than the average man, he said. 
I've heard very strange scream sounds. I've found footprints, and I've even had stones thrown at me. <laughs> it's just I'm from, dead it's just, serious. <laughs> it's just from people making <laughs> yeah. passes by. Yeah, it's just assholes. <laughs> it's just so, look at that asshole in the bush. <laughs> Stupid hat. Um, I've even heard what's called wood taps, which sounds like a wooden bat knocking against a tree. And then this is the video here that he posts up. So you can see in the clip, um, for those of you playing at home, um, there's just like a lot of plaster of Paris just thrown at the ground. <laughs> Looks uh, like a giant like seagull poo <laughs> that we're seeing on the screen. He said the Mohau man was enshrined in Maori mythology, sometimes being called Matau. Oh, this is why you got me to read this article. Matau Maero Tuhorangi. Tuhorangi? Taungi, Taungina Rapawai. Rapawai. Rapu, rapu, I it don't w- get the, the Taunga one. I think you've got that Taunga. Taungina. Taunga. Taunga. I think so. Rapawai. Rapawai, that's that one. It was, it was thought they had talons and that they could kill Maori warriors quite easily, couple said. This thing just like keeps... Like it just has all these different special features. <laughs> yeah. It's just packed yeah. with special features all that the normal add-ons. that normal Bigfoot don't have. There have been various sightings over the years and early prospectors were warned by Maori about going into the bush along at night. <laughs> great, it's a typo. Ge- great journalism there, stuff. Yeah. Going into the bush fantastic, alone at fantastic night. Fantastic journalism there. It's top notch, <laughs> right? And you can't a, even see anything in that. There's nothing there. So you're referring to the rock in this man's hand that he's saying this is, is this, a footprint. This, this is his cast, isn't it? Yeah, this is his cast. <laughs> um, so it just looks just like a whole like pile of stones all joined together with no discernible shape. So this is where things get a little bit heart-wrenching. <laughs> <laughs> he said there had been various modern sightings and he had been contacted by people who reported seeing the beast but were afraid to share the account with their account with others couple is crowdfunding to raise money to make a documentary about the hunt for the mohaw man as of friday donations had reached 25 dollars <laughs> just a fraction of his five thousand eight hundred dollar goal <laughs> wonder what he got up to i'm just having to see if i can find it yeah there's a Mark, I can search Mark Koppel, um, Mohau Man documentary. Maybe yeah. if he's made it. It would be on, um, what's the New Zealand version of Kickstarter? Like Pledge Me or something. Koppel said he had previously spent about 20 years working in the United States as a paranormal investigator. He wanted to be the first to find New Zealand's own Bigfoot because of his own curiosity, he said. I want answers. I don't have answers, but I want them. <laughs> Auckland University of Technology history professor Paul Moon said he had not heard of the Mohau Man. There are mythical stories about creatures and forests, uh, but I've not heard anything about this one specifically. Another typo in there. Nicole Lawton. Um, check your typos. Because it said, I've... There are many mythical stories about creatures in forests and but I've not heard. <laughs> Maybe this poor moon is just a fucking moron. <laughs> Maybe. And they just quote him directly. He said the myth could be due to a phenomenon called cultural cross-pollination where ideas from one culture got implanted into another culture. That feels a bit like a white privilege thing to say. It will be really interesting for Koppel to cite his sources. If he can pinpoint the specific iwi or hapu this mythical creature belongs to, 
then he might have some basis to his claims. Leanne Ngamani, who grew up in the area, said the Moha man or hairy man of the Karamandal was a familiar story from her childhood. We're one of the local hapu of the Moha area and our family has lived beneath the mountains for centuries. Talking with my family members, we do recall in our family history references to the hairy man of the Coromandel or the Mohau man. She said the stories came around about the same time as the settler community, sometime in the 50s. I thought the settlers came far earlier than the 1950s. 1850s maybe? Maybe, maybe could if be. It's a typo. It could be a typo. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, 1950s is quite late for settlement in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Settlement New Zealand about the Chinese sometime in the 1950s. Yeah. <laughs> Throw back to the first chapter of the New Zealand Mysteries book. Yeah. Um, our, whanau, our whanau, which is Maori for family, looked at it with mild amusement. The story had no basis within our tradition, local iwi, or hapu. It coincided with all the Saskatchewan Sach- Sach- sightings <laughs> that occurred within America and elsewhere in the world but we never took it seriously in our collective experience as a family. So that seems to say that it's nonsense, in her opinion. Yeah. Yeah. But Mark Koppel. He's got his hat, he's off. His hat and his body cam, and he's off. Do you think that they just asked him... Pour a plaster of Paris into potholes. To look as ridiculous as possible for this, for that photo shoot, for that article? I mean, this is that sort of thing where... I don't know. What if he listens? You could be slagging him off and he's a listener. Come and prove me wrong then. If you listen, contact us on Instagram, slide into Ton's DMs, and we'll get you on the show and you can give your side of the story. Yeah, like I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. It's just, um, it just feels a little bit undercooked, <laughs> I guess, is the polite way to put it. Yeah, I think... New Zealand's really struggling for paranormal stories. (laughs) Um, The thing that we've found is that three animals got loose and that's as paranormal as it gets. Um, This could be another one of them. But the fact that the sightings are so few and far between means that there's a lot of room for exaggeration over time uh, and extrapolation of the story so that that we can be included in all those cool things like yetis, abominable snowmans and... Uh, snowmen snow people <laughs> and, Thank you. and yes. uh yeah. bigfoot so yeah yeah there's um not, not a lot much not more to add on this we'll see what the new zealand mysteries book comes out with um as we get through there's um a ship mystery ship mystery yep a shit mystery ship mystery a shit tornado <laughs> uh, a couple of ufo ones coming up which i'm quite looking forward to okay um, might have to get the old highlighter out and the uh, make some yeah, notes. Yeah, do some scribbling. Yeah, like do like like a half drawing of a description of one of the sources. I reckon, like just in biro. Yeah, and I might leave like a coffee mug stain on the page yeah. somewhere. Cause You've been researching this shit out of that. I stuff. was burning the midnight oil. <laughs> had the co- had to, and I like teeth a cup of coffee. Yeah, left a stain. That's really spill good. Spill a bit on the coffee. It's like, like oh, a no cigarette oh, no, but I'm so ash oh, i'm so late i spilled some coffee because i was up late yeah yeah um and maybe you'll rip a page out just for mystery it's always mysterious no don't do that i'll rip the forward out <laughs> make notes on the blank parts of um you know where there's half chapters and stuff yeah yeah inside the cover um 
phone numbers like, somewhere. Could, could Mohel Man be early Chinese settler? <laughs> question mark. Yeah, question mark. Yeah. He could have been left by the Chinese when they came here mm. a thousand years ago. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Could be. You should write a book. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So um, look for, I hope you're looking forward to that because the contents, uh, contents is going to happen. <laughs> so, uh, it'll be stuff to say. That's the end of the Mohau Man as far as we're concerned. What are your thoughts personally on it? Is there one? Is it a gorilla? Is it nothing? I went to the Coromandel last year and I didn't see the Mohau Man. So I conclude he does not exist. Job done. I stayed in the bush as well. Did you? Yeah. Mohau Bush? It was near the tip. Of? <laughs> My peninsula. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was struggling with you. Tripping over some words there. <laughs> like I'm writing a stuff article. Um, yeah. All right. So I think it's high time we revisit our old friend, the 1982 Reader's Digest version of Mysteries of the Unexplained. Do you remember the introduction? I just half said it. Um, <laughs> that's, okay. what, that's what got me thinking about the introduction. Half said it. <laughs> okay, um, so this might be new to some people. Oh yeah, because it's been, when was the last time we did this? Ages ago, right? Ages ago. Um, so we like to, or we used to, every episode we used God, to end the same This book's in good way. condition, isn't it? This is fantastic. Yeah, that's... That's um, a bloody mystery itself, how well it stayed in this condition. <laughs> it kind of goes to show that no one would have ever bothered to read it. Is that an abalone shell? I'm not sure. Stop being visual on Sorry. our... I mean, it's, it's really... I'm just, I'm just getting all my juices flowing for my social media. Um, okay, how do we start the, the intro to the end? Do we still ending? have the music or did you tape over it? I got the music somewhere. Yeah, you didn't tape over it? I didn't tape over it. Shall we start the music? Let's start the music. There it is. So, uh, this is the segment of the show where we take the 1982 Reader's Digest version of... Did you jazz of it up a bit? The music? Is this the remix? This is the same music. I don't know. It sounds a bit jazzier. <laughs> you just haven't heard it for a while. Okay, fair enough. Might just yeah, be. L- listen to this bit. See? No, it used to go lower than that. That went higher. No. I haven't touched it. I swear. I reckon you did tape over it and you had to recreate it. (laughs) This is the segment of the show where we take the 1982 Reader's Digest version of Mysteries of the Unexplained. Tony will flick to a random page. I'll tell him when to stop and we'll read one of the paranormal stories from the page we land on. This is the segment called Get Me Some Strange. Yeah, we'll see if we can uh, maybe coincidentally find a Mohal Man segment in here. There might be in. Might be. Do you want to look in the index and okay, see if there is? I would be very surprised. Did uh, did anyone know that New Zealand existed in 1982? I didn't come along till 85, so we weren't really put on the map until then. We've got Momo. Yeah. Which is the Missouri monster. Okay. No Mo How? I'm sorry. <laughs> Like I Sorry, said, no mohawk. New Zealand wasn't put on the map till I came along in '85, okay. so it's no yeah. big deal. Yeah. Even trumpet down here. here we go. Looking away. Stop. I can really hear the fridge now cooling down. <laughs> I got a buzz in my audio. Um, this looks UFO-y. Does it? So you look yes, excited. I'm investigating UFOs. Oh, we don't have the post-it notes, we so, so we don't know if we've already done. I've got to bring the other one out here. So we have two versions of this book, if you don't know, and they were both found at the same country fair. Yeah, country fate. I think a year apart. Yeah, 
Um, so they cost us about, you know, a dollar twenty each or something like that. Um, and one of them's we like to mark with a post-it note uh, when we read an, uh, an article so that we don't double up. But this one's the post-it note free one. Um, so if you want to find a nice sized paranormal tale, um, I have found something here that's actually just popped up that um, relates to a New Zealand mystery. Hit it's it. covered in this book. Hit it. So I don't know. Do I want to say it now, and then we go into greater detail at some point in the future? Oh, you want to? You're thinking this is worthy of? It's probably visiting. worthy of its own. Well, this this is like the story. Okay, what we'll do then is maybe tease it with the headline now, and we'll do it next week. Okay. 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 And we've got a week to research it in depth, and this will be a a Litz podcast special next week. What's the headline? The early hours of December 31, 1978, have gone down in the annals. Annals? You had annals? to ruin it. Damn. You had to ruin I'll it. Start again. <laughs> <laughs> the early hours of December 31, 1978, have gone down in the annals Come on, Anthony. of UFO research as the first time that on the spot tape recordings were made while UFOs were being observed, filmed, and simultaneously tracked on radar, both on the ground and in the air. The event occurred just east of New Zealand's South Island. An Argosy cargo plane carrying a three-member Melbourne television crew headed by Channel Zero? I thought it was Channel 10. That's not very ambitious. I was say Channel 10 reporter Channel Quinton, Zero. Quinton Fogarty was retracing the flight path between Wellington and Christchurch, a route along which bright, unidentified lights had been observed by aircraft crews for several weeks. <gasps> On the flight down, the evening of December 30, the team saw some mysterious lights that moved too erratically to catch on film. But the flight back from Christchurch to Blenheim was more rewarding. At 2.15am, something approached within 10 miles of the cargo plane. We're going to lock it up there? Is that the tease? I might just uh, read this last bit here. It was described by one of the TV crew as having a brightly lit base and a sort of transparent dome. The object was picked up by the cra- by the aircraft's radar, and what was most exciting, it was successfully photographed on 16mm colour film. And on that note, we will... Are we going to call that our strange as well? Yeah. We'll call that... Should I put in some real, like... Some real spooky music here, like... Yeah like cut the strange and just have like something airy okay the fridge i think's too loud <laughs> <laughs> and on that Do you think note the, the fridge is will... just wanting to compete to be the new get me some strange backgrounds <laughs> maybe yeah drown it out it's like you taped the other one anyway you tried to recreate it and you did a bad job of it and now i just want the fridge to be there it's quiet now and on that note we'll call that another episode of lights in the sky podcast Join us next week. It'll be a goodie. Toodaloo.